Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 49, verses 1 through 12. Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the harp. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of my persecutors surrounds me? those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no ransom avails for one's life. There is no price one can give to God for it. For the ransom of life is costly and can never suffice, that one should live on forever and never see the grave. When we look at the wise, they die. Fool and dolt perish together and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever their dwelling places to all generations. Though they name the lands their own, mortals cannot abide in the pomp. They are like the animals that perish. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 1 through 11. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you have a big appetite. Do not desire the ruler's delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to desist. When your eyes light upon it, it is gone, for suddenly it takes wings to itself, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of the stingy. Do not desire their delicacies, for like a hare in the throat, so are they. Eat and drink, they say to you, but they do not mean it. They will vomit up the little that you, you have eaten and you will waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, who will only despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove an ancient landmark or encroach on the fields of orphans, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. By the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. morning and welcome to the eighth Thursday after Pentecost. Our psalm has been um, switched over uh, and then we also have readings from Proverbs and Romans and the reading from Romans is really short and the whole thing actually felt kind of like a whole. They all were very clearly about riches and 
suspicion of those who hoard riches. Um, and it ties in this theme of wisdom. Um, Paul says to the church in Rome, the depths in the, of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. So riches and wisdom and knowledge are bound up together. Um, and they all uh, belong most properly to God. Um, in the Psalm and the Proverbs, each speak to the reader of the the danger and the the duplicity of what wealth can do. Um, you know, it begins. Psalm begins by talking about, look, you know, nothing is is as valuable as your life. You know, the the ransom that it speaks of. Um, there's no price that one can give to God for it. Why would you exchange your life for riches? And there's passages in the New Testament that we didn't read this morning that talks about, um, you know, so what if you gather up everything, if you lose your soul? Um, don't, uh, you know, it's the reading between the lines. It's look, don't sell out um, because there's no price that's so high that it's worth your life. And God, you know, you may not be able to get it back. Um, and then it begins to talk about others and what you do in their presence and how you treat people who have wealth and expect all these things from you. Um, but even they'll die. They don't take wealth with them when they leave and um, either you know reside in their grave forever or um, you know whether they go to heaven or to hell and whether that's a helpful construct or not. Um, the the point seems to be um especially in these readings is you know wealth is not necessarily in and of itself um the thing that you chase after you know chase after god and you may receive wealth you may receive knowledge but if you chase after knowledge and wealth you won't necessarily find god um and it has these examples of people and what you should do when you eat with them and be cautious um you know, it's better to like slit your throat than to eat your fill at a fool's party. Um, and the superficiality of it all is kind of runs throughout. Um, and I was, as I was reading, it, there were two things that stuck out to me. The one at the beginning of Proverbs, Martin of Tours, who's my patron saint and the patron saint of all soldiers and chaplains and horses, apparently. Um, there's this episode in his life where he's invited to uh, a feast with the emperor. I think it's Maximian. And he's supposed to, because he's, you know, really popular, he's supposed to receive this cup of wine and pass it to the emperor as a means of saying, you think I'm hot shit? Well, here's this emperor and we're here for him and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's almost straight out of these readings. And instead of giving that cup to the emperor, he turns and gives it to, you know, a presbyter or uh, an exorcist, you know, this low-ranking um, uh, religious person. And the best part of the story is that Maximian and the whole party gets a good chuckle out of it. You know, Maximian seems to have a healthy sense of... Uh, you know, self-hesitation, I suppose. Um, but the 
the social decorum around wealth and how it's accumulated, these passages are saying, look, don't trust them. Um, don't abide by them and, and don't necessarily trust someone just because they're wealthy. The other thing that I thought of as I was reading is this, um, speaking of Martin, um, I was in, I was on pilgrimage um, in France uh, the day that uh, the president was elected. And one of the images that's stuck in my mind is of him sitting on these really ornate chairs. Um, I think it was he and Melania and uh, Ivanka, and they're having an interview after being after getting elected. And it's clear he's speaking to the poor, and that's what stood out to me when I was on pilgrimage, is trying to make sense of Martin's life in light of this political moment that we encountered in November 2016. And what Martin did um, was uh, he rose to the Praetorian Guard. He was chums with Caesar. He fell on you know, bad, their bad side when he said he wouldn't fight in war. Um, and then the rest of his life as a bishop and as uh, uh, a deacon, um, he preferred to live out in the countryside and convert the pagans. And that sounds paternalistic, um, but to live among the poor, uncivilized, rural people um, and make their livelihood and well-being, your livelihood and your well-being, um, is something that, that, you know, sure, you can destroy their shrines, and Martin did that. Um, but the, the most perfect thing you can do is to love them and to treat them as human beings and to give them a voice and to give them dignity, um, to recognize their value. And um, what's, I bring up the, the golden chairs and Trump and everything, the, the cognitive disconnect um, between the, pres- the president-elect or the, the candidate and his base, which was largely rural, white, working-class voters, um, the disconnect between him, you know, appealing to white working class rural voters, but being an inner city millionaire, uh, real estate developer like that, how does, well, that happens because he gives them the opportunity to see themselves, to see the outcast, to see the, um, the pariah. Uh, make it into the center of power. I mean, you read anything about Trump, all the people in New York and Wall Street hated him. They could not stand him. And he continued to, instead of improving himself, he insisted that the problem was them, the elite, the rich. Um, regardless of their character, he doesn't, he doesn't think in terms of character. He thinks in terms of exchanges and um, appearance. And so to see a pariah, even if they're rich, even if they're inner city as opposed to rural, even if they're, um, you know, X, Y, Z, he gave them a face in the centers of power. Um, And it's not a like comparison, but that is something that um, Martin did when he was elected bishop, reluctantly. Martin appealed to the poor. That's where he drew his authority from. 
And when the emperor invited him to dinner, it was because the entire countryside supported him so much that the people in the cities, Tours was a major city at the time, and it remains a major city. Um, and they wanted that popularity, they wanted that support, and they knew that the country, the country folk, the pagans, supported Martin, and the people of Tours wanted that. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I would like to think that Martin was so popular as a bishop because he had that support, because he appealed to people who, were, who the centers of power and influence insisted were uncivilized. Um, and he gave them a face, he gave them a voice, and he represented their interests at this enormous center of power. And he, he remained committed to, to them as well. I mean, he, he refused to stay very long at the cathedral. He would, um, he would go across the River Loire um, two or three miles away to these caves that he lived in. Um, and so he was truly committed to, him, to them. Um, and this reminder uh, this morning to be suspicious of those in power, not necessarily in and of themselves, but as a reminder that wealth is not a measure of success. Wealth is not a measure of character. It's simply a measure of accumulation. And there are some good people who have wealth, but there's also some bad people who have wealth or people who have acquired it through um, wrong means. <clears throat> um, but that doesn't escape the fact that um, that even the poor need a champion. The poor need um, people and causes to to stand by. The General, a poem by Siegfried Sassoon. Good morning, good morning, the general said, when we met him last week on our way to the line. Now the soldiers he smiled at are most of them dead and were cursing his staff for incompetent swine. He's a cheery old card, grunted Harry to Jack, as they slogged up to Arras with rifle and pack. But he did for them both by his plan of attack. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. 
So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.